I love cemeteries. Um, but at night, they can be really creepy. Someone once told me the cemetery bench is a great place to be reminded that our pilgrimage journey has to come through here. So to think about what, what would I want to put on my tombstone epitaph? What, what would I want people to say at, at my funeral? And then figure out how you're going to live your life that way. The tough thing is, though, is when you come back to that bench years later and it hasn't really worked out the way that you hoped it would. It's Saturday night and, and Peter is, is looking at his tombstone. It had to be a tough night for him. Friday was a disaster. I wonder if he was just lying awake in the bed. I wonder what he was thinking about. Maybe he was thinking about just his journey with Jesus and all that they had been through. Like the time when there was the storm that hit the lake and they were in the boat and Jesus wasn't with them and then all of a sudden Jesus was with them but he was out in the waves and they thought he was a ghost. and. Jesus says, it's, it's me, guys. And Peter's like, well, if it's you, then let me come out to you. And Jesus was like, come on. And so Peter does. And he starts to sink, though. And that's what we remember because he was afraid. He saw the waves and he was afraid. And then, and then Jesus says to him, and I've always thought of it like it was this rebuke and chastising him. Like, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But I don't know if it was that. I mean, like, for goodness sakes, out of all the disciples, Peter is the only one who got out of the boat in the angry waves, out of all the disciples, Peter's the only one that actually walked on water. But still, it had to be a disappointment to hear Jesus say those things. And then Jesus asked them all a question like, who do you all think that I am? And, and Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus then heaps this, this praise on him. Like, there's something special about you, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. And so from now on, you're going to be uh, the rock. And, and on you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Like, wow, that's putting some, some high hopes. That had to feel really good. But then not long after that, Jesus starts talking about his death and his resurrection. Um, and, and Peter's like, I'll never let that happen to you. And that's that time when, when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. I'm like, ouch. Um, that couldn't have felt good. And, and then the whole prayer thing. You know, when, when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane that Thursday night, and Jesus says to Peter, James, and John, hey, y'all stay awake with me and pray with me. And they just can't do it. <laughs> Three times Jesus comes back and they're fast asleep. Peter just couldn't stay awake. And on that third time, Jesus says, well, you know, get up. The, the, the hour is here. The betrayer has come. I mean, I, I feel like 
Peter was trying, like he really wanted to do this thing right. He just couldn't quite get it, you know. I'll never deny you. I'll die. I'll fight for you. I'll die for you. And in the garden, he like takes his sword out and he cuts off the ear of Malchus, the the high priest's servant, and he gets rebuked again. Jesus is like, no, this is this is the sword is not the way. And so then Jesus picks up this ear and he heals the enemy. And moments later, there's desertion and denial and death. It's Saturday night and it's really dark. We know this. We've been there. We know this disappointment. We know this regret. We know this weeping and gnashing of teeth that Peter must be experiencing. You know, I just wish I had a, a, another chance to prove myself. I wish I had another shot at it. I, I wish I had an opportunity to, to say that I'm sorry and, and to make it right. You know, when it gets this dark, it seems like morning will never come. So it's Sunday morning, and the women have gone to the tomb. And after they experience what they experience there, they go back to the place where the disciples were hiding, and they tell them everything. They tell them everything that happened. But nobody believed them, which was probably typical. The men didn't believe them. Uh, Luke says that these words seemed like an idle tale. The Greek word for idol, leros, literally means trash or nonsense. So it was like they were trash talking. They didn't believe them. Peter, though, he immediately jumps up and he runs to the tomb. Of course he did. Surely something like hope began to stir inside of him, to burn inside of him. It's like maybe, just maybe. Uh, Now this tomb that he ran to, like Jesus' burial place would have been nothing like these cemeteries that we know and love. Um, On Friday, when the Roman soldiers took Jesus' body down from the cross, um, Joseph of Arimathea, um, he was a wealthy guy, um, secret disciple of Jesus, Uh, He knew Jesus and loved Jesus and followed Jesus, but he did so secretly because he was afraid. Uh, He was afraid of the Jews. But he got permission uh, to take Jesus' body. And he takes Jesus' body and he puts it in his own uh, brand new tomb that he had had hewn out of the rock. Um, And another secret disciple went with him, uh, Nicodemus. we meet Nicodemus at night. Uh, he comes to Jesus at night. Uh, he's lot, got a lot of questions about Jesus' identity. Um, he's a religious leader. He's a man of faith. Um, he's got these questions. Um, he knows something is stirring. He knows something is happening. And um, he loves Jesus too. Well, um, Nicodemus, he's also got a lot of resources. And he buys... Um, uh, the, the ointments and 
um, the, the spices and the things, a hundred pounds of stuff uh, to anoint Jesus' body for burial. Um, and they go to this tomb and, and they do that. Now, like in Jesus' day, a tomb usually belonged to a single wealthy family. Like common people would, would just be buried in the ground. And uh, they would, uh, the family would take the, the body and they would, would um, wrap the body in, in linen cloths, which is, which is what uh, Joseph did and Nicodemus did for Jesus. And then there would be these shelves inside this tomb and they would lay the body on the shelf. And then uh, after a generation, the family would come and, and they would gather the bones. They would wash them in wine and then they would, they would put them in these uh, ossuaries um, or a bone box. Um, and then they would stack these bone boxes, these ossuaries, inside the tomb, generation after generation. Um, so that's what it would have been like in there. And so Jesus runs to this tomb, Joseph's tomb, where they laid Jesus' body. And he leans in and he sees on the shelf there, Jesus' body not there, but the linen cloths are there. And it's this mystery. And Luke tells us that he walks home amazed at what had, what had happened. Maybe. Just maybe. So it's the afternoon of Easter, and two of the disciples are, are walking home. Cleopas is one of them, um, and a, another disciple. And they're walking home. Their, their Passover pilgrimage is over. It's about a, a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And I don't know if they walk like I walk. Uh, probably take about four hours. You might need a, to stop for a break. I don't know. But it's a hefty, it's a hefty hike. And I mean, you can just see them. I, I imagine their arms waving. They're talking about everything that had happened. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes alongside. But they don't recognize Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey guys, what are y'all talking about? And they're amazed by that. I, I don't know what to liken it to for us, but you know, there's just this has been amazing event, or this awful event, but like one of those things that everybody just knows about. And, and they're like, you've been in Jerusalem and, and you don't know about these things? And Jesus is like, what things? And so they begin to tell him. They're like, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, like this, this prophet, of great power, power in word and in, and in deed. And I'm, I'm reading the story, I'm like, Jesus is getting to hear his own eulogy. Like, this is what people are saying about him after he's dead. Uh, these, these amazing things. And then they begin to tell him all about the crucifixion and, and all about his death. Jesus would, would certainly be fully aware of that story. Um, and, and then they said, we had hoped, we had hoped that he would be the one that would redeem us, um, that, that would save Israel. So it, it was like it was, it was still Saturday. Um, you know, Luke says that, that, that they, were, they were still looking sad. There was still this 
regret, despair, this, this, this loss of hope. Um, you know, I think for us maybe it seems like it's been a, a, a whole year uh, of Saturdays. Um, you know, we're just, just grasping for, uh, for some thread of hope. Um, they say the women came back from the tomb and told us about angels and uh, told us that his body was gone and um, some of the some of our guys ran to the tomb but they didn't see him so it's, it's back to that idle tale thing they didn't see him so it's hard to believe when, when we don't see it it matters. The idle tale thing matters. So they get to Emmaus. Jesus is going on his way. And, and here's a critical part of the story. They were like, stay with us. They invite him to stay. Now they were just showing kindness and hospitality. They had no idea who they were inviting to their table. But at the table, when Jesus breaks the bread, their eyes were opened. That's what happens. And then in their conversation after, they're like, weren't our hearts burning in, in, inside of us? You know, Jeremiah talks about this, this fire like burning in his bones. And, and, and that's what changes us. I don't know if, if you're like me, but this Easter Sunday feels different. This sunrise, I don't know. I feel like my eyes have been opened. I feel like my, my heart is, is, is burning and is on fire. Like I know stuff now. Um, stories that I should have known. Um, I see things that I couldn't see before. And it's burning and it's stirring and I can't sit still. Um, N.T. Wright, that talks about Jesus' purpose. I thought this was good. He says, the whole point of what Jesus was up to was that he was doing up close, in the present, what he was promising uh, long-term in the future. And what he was promising for that future and doing in the present was not saving souls for some uh, disembodied eternity, uh, but rescuing people from the corruption and decay of the way the world sorry of the way the world presently is let, let me read that sentence again so he was not saving souls for a disembodied eternity but rescuing people from the corruption and decay of the way the world presently is so that they could enjoy already in the present the renewal of creation, which is God's ultimate purpose. I love that. You know I've never been uh, all that pumped about this, this idea that everything that Easter is about is that God is going to save my soul so that I can float around spiritually on some cloud playing really nice music on my harp or my banjo. Like, what happens after this Emmaus story 
is Jesus appears to them, all of them. The two that were on the road, Peter who ran to the tomb, the women, and they're freaking out because they think they're seeing a ghost. And Jesus says, I'm not a ghost. Touch me, feel me. I am flesh and I am bones, I am alive, and actually I'm kind of hungry. Have you got any fish? And they find him some broiled fish. And he eats it in their presence. It's the renewal of creation. It's making all things new. It's corruption and death ultimately being defeated. And the amazing thing is, the awesome thing is, the hopeful thing is, is that God's purpose to renew creation becomes our purpose. It becomes our calling. So, it turns out that our pilgrimage isn't over today. It's only just begun.